Hi everyone, welcome to a new season and a new episode of The Capsule. Today's episode is pretty special to me. I'm actually welcoming uh, one of my homies in Tokyo, one of the first person I actually met here in Tokyo, actually in the same share house with also Jack. Don't, re- don't forget that we had Jack Milner over there, that's now go back in the UK. So my guest today is a multidisciplinary designer from New York, but he's half Japanese, half British, grew up in New York, now in Tokyo. How's it going, Oren? How's it going, Julian? Great to see you, man. Yeah. Isashiburi. Isashiburi, the show. This is crazy, like, to see that after four years, we already know it's all for four years. It's been so long, man. It's flown by so quick. Like, it feels like we were just at the chair house, like, last two years, two years yeah. ago. Yeah. I still remember when you showed me the fridge. Yeah, that's a chair fridge. Don't put rotten <laughs> stuff there, please. House rules, baby. <laughs> yeah, house rules. It's... It was for me like it's still my best year that we had together. Yeah, that's two years. Yeah, we had two, two years, years together over there. We actually saw together the election of Trump. Crazy! Four years ago, same time this year, yeah. we did. I actually remember. I remember. You remember exactly. how sad I was? <laughs> yeah, I was actually <laughs> sitting in the living room, walking from home. Yeah, and you were about to go to work, yep. and I told you like. This is about to happen. It's about to happen. You're like, shit, I don't, I hope not. I remember watching it from the office. Just so upset, man. Like I saw what happened in the morning. We were talking in the morning and I was watching it progress up until about 1, 2 p.m. in Tokyo time. Um, yeah, we'll never forget that day. And even the recent election was crazy too. Cause it's always during our midday, right? Yeah, exactly. With the time difference. So it's just like so many emotions going through your mind, but you still got to focus on work. <laughs> you got two tabs open. <laughs> the New York Times. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. It's, it's rough, but I'm happy we got the we got the blue this year. We still got a, um, a long way to go before January when we have the, you know, the, the changing of the baton. But we'll see. Hopefully the, the country's going to be in better hands now. Yeah, it's uh, it's really nice. But like first question is like, are you happy now? Oh, man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Obviously, to have so many good friends like yourself, like Jai, like Jack, friends, and Rishad, of course. Shout out to Rishad yeah, back Rishad. in Belgium, baby. He's listening to the podcast. Oh, man. Shout outs to the brother, man. So making so many great people in the first bits of my time in Tokyo really set the DNA and like the framework for how the rest of my time has been. Mm. It's like the reasons I've stayed. It's the reasons I continue to stay motivated. And now I'm in such a good space as far as uh, working, as well as doing, you know, small little freelance gigs on the side on top of like doing events in Tokyo. Um, I just feel like I'm finally catching my feet and being able to see myself um, kind of achieve some of the goals and ideas that I've had all this time and still so much to go, but uh, so much to do as well. But I think I'm finally getting into that space where I'm like starting to see things come to fruition, you know. Mm. And before we actually go through what's happening in Tokyo now, yes, can you give me like the audience like a bit of story because I present you as a multidisciplinary uh, designer. Yep. For the people who, because it's a podcast, so they don't see you. Yeah. But even though it's gonna be a picture, Orion is half British, half Japanese, so yep. you expect him to be white. Yep. With like. Asian eyes, <laughs> but he's actually half black, half Japanese. Yep. And then I want to see like, because you grew in New York, yep. how was it there? Like 
what happened? Oh man, dude, what a where do I begin? So obviously New York to me is still my home for the rest of my life. No matter where I go, whatever happens, I can always go back there and feel like I'm back at home. Um, as you know, as I'm sure the audience knows, New York is one of the most uh, multicultural and div diverse cities in the world. And I think growing up, being a mixed race, uh, black Japanese kid in Harlem, mind you, which is obviously a very black community, um, there's nothing but love all throughout my time. Never have any issues. Although, you know, people know Harlem to be a dangerous neighborhood back in the 90s and going onwards. Um, I never had any issues there. I grew up, I went to public school for most of my time up until uh, my university. My university is the first time I ever went to private school. And uh, living, working, uh, going to a public school and being around like a first generation Chinese girl and then another friend that's like happens to be the son of like Lior Cohen, who's like the CEO of, you know, Def Jam and things yeah. like that. And then also being like with a kid from the projects, but like all these different kinds of people around me built such a good community mm -hmm. and my perspective on you know going going forward and, and and being colorblind to people to humans white black asian um you know blue purple whatever yeah i never saw any color so for me man new york will always be you know my my pride and joy in my heart because it's the one place i felt like i would love to raise a kid if i could they can grow up with anybody from Amsterdam to someone from South Africa and always have so many different people around him and never have any sort of biases growing up, I guess. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, Love yeah. it. I feel the same in Brussels. So For sure, it's, man. It's super multicultural there yeah. too. And then, like, New York was like, I mean, your childhood. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Then you decide to move. Like, why, why Tokyo? It's a good question, man. A lot of people ask me to this day, even someone asked me this just yesterday, why am I in Tokyo from New York? Yeah. Um, some people are like, New York is so amazing. Why are, Why would you leave? And for me, man, I left after two years after university. I was doing a little bit of freelance work in design after um, university, uh, upstate New York. Um, and then when I got back, I felt like I was a little bit like, not trapped, so to speak, but I felt like my ideas and, and, and things I wanted to work on Um, just wasn't, I wasn't seeing the sort of growth that I wanted to see mm. in New York. So I was like, listen, man, like I have a Japanese passport. Am I going to just let this thing just collect dust on my drawer? Like I have it here. It's, it's quite powerful. And my mom and dad are always like, listen, if you ever need, you always have the opportunity to go over to Japan and just see how it is for a year. Hence the share house. Because we never had any commitments. You can just pay by month. If you wanted to leave, you could leave. If you want to stay, you could stay. I ended up staying there for two, two and a half years, which I was so you know proud of and to meet you and so many great people um and so what i wanted to do is basically i want to leave new york and then come back to uh, a different environment and tokyo being that environment uh and then work possibly in like fashion culture and design mm. i knew i grew i graduated university with um an art uh, major with a double concentration in sculpture and graphic design graphic design being the more heavy lifting that i was doing sculpture something i was doing on the side as well but had enough credits to consider it like you know a, a concentration so um when i came to japan i wanted to work in fashion but mainly streetwear and i knew like i can attribute some of my design eye and my sort of um tools to editorials magazines lookbooks uh t-shirt designs um you know posters and ads and things like that so i uh i wanted to make the leap over and then i had my father 
reach out to a mutual friend in Japan that's quite connected within the, the fashion scene and and give me the opportunity to possibly do an internship. Uh, mind you, at this time, I came into Japan four months in. I was like kind of just seeing around Japan, getting my feet, um, kind of just like getting my bearings in the city mm. and then finding out more about the city. And then finally, I was like, listen, like after two months, I was like, man, like, I'm restless. I want to work. I want to do something. Uh, as great as the city is and being like a tourist, I wanted to like, I felt like I wanted like a regiment. Yeah. I wanted to be in a schedule and go to an office and be inspired by, you know, people around me. So that started my internship at Mo Design Inc. In I Shibuya. That. I actually remember that the Mo Design part where right. you actually work for so many projects. So many projects, man. So many projects I'm grateful for. And like, yeah, you were there for all of it, man. You, yeah. Jai, all these guys, you guys all saw me kind of grow from an intern to a full-time position yeah. to helping do like, you know, some of the Carhartt collections in Japan, Carhartt Japan, and all these different amazing projects I got to work on, man. Things with, you know, double taps and some of my most, my favorite streetwear brands since I was a kid, man. Being able, to, being able to work on that and, you know, take a few shots for some. And dude, like, honestly, that, that really, that and Alpha Style, I'd say, the share house, were the two things that really built me from a young man into more of an adult coming into Tokyo. Mm. It was like the perfect storm for, you know, growth. And I felt like yeah. I was really able to like grow from that. That was like my uh, my graduate school. So we kind of like in your DNA now. Yeah, forever, <laughs> forever, man. All the people that I've met up until now, all the things, experiences will always be part of me. But I remember like, actually when you worked at Mo Design, you always give us like magazines. Yeah, dude. The really? New Order magazine, you remember? Yeah, I was doing editorial Order. design really? I know. with the company and I would so, always give you guys a magazine. I still have them and Amazing. I'm still like all the time, but actually open it, I'm like, all right, Andrews, yeah, yeah. he's there, he's there. <laughs> I'm in there, man. Editorial credit, small, in there, but yeah, You're man, there. such a great experience. Dude. Exactly. And it's always like a piece you can actually show to people. True. And it, True. People can be like, what? You work on this? Yeah. It's like, of course, my name is there. Yeah. Nobody can remove that from you. That's so true, man. I never really looked at it like that, you know? Like, it would always be like Mo Design Designers, and it would be me and my colleagues, like my three colleagues. And um, what an amazing editorial, global, obviously based in Tokyo. To give the audience a little bit more context, it's a biannual, so it's twice a year. Yeah. Um, there's a men's and a women's magazine, and it covers everything from streetwear to music to culture to artisans around japan it's everything like a multifaceted book uh magazine or publication i should say um and i had the pleasure of being able to work on that feature you know um streetwear designers i really rate in la to london to graphic artists to people like you know jurgen teller to everyone to people like you know um from the apc and all these different brands amazing asap rocky on some covers john mayer like it was the most like multifaceted book and publication and uh i had so much interest because i was loving yeah. the music the design i was helping with the editorial design it was it was a great experience man but also the the piece itself like the book because i remember every time you're like okay i'm working on it the new session the new like book and the new version it's coming out and i was like well we know we're gonna get some because yeah. jai and i we were like Well, it's cool, but where is our version, you know? Yeah. And I'm still waiting the three years version. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really like a nice piece. And I remember I was always going to, to Taya, you know, in yeah. Daikanyama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then every time I was checking the new order, oh, I was man. opening the first page. She like, 
homies is there he's just like, making sure yeah. the homies still there just checking yeah. in he's still working on it yeah yeah this season is still there <laughs> but I, you talk about like you saw me uh working i mean you saw me from internship to actually full-time position but right. the reality is that sometimes we didn't see you at all Dude. because you leave at 11 and then you came back at 1 p.m can what's yeah. your experience into like these Tokyo working space because it's kind of like you know we heard this yeah in Japan you know they're working crazy ass and yeah. I'm privileged because we don't really work that much but then when I saw you I was like what the hell is wrong with this dude like <laughs> dude you're 100% right and I think I think <laughs> Japan um I'll start with this Japan my favorite city up to date to live in there's obviously with that comes a lot of things and The beauty behind Japan and the quality that you see, the high standard of everything from fashion to automobiles to, to engineering to electronics, like everything, everything is at such a high standard and quality. A big reason for that is the fact that Japanese people typically work their butts off, man. They really put in those hours. They clock in the hours. Sometimes I, I feel after living here, there could be ways to manage a time better mm. in order to maximize like Europe does. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think Europe has a perfect balance between, you know, maximizing time and also getting the best out of yourself. Japan will also work so long and tediously. And I think that plays into the fashion as well as the uh, design, which is a company I was working at. So yeah, we had, you know, we had a, <clears throat> we had a late wake up which is at 11, 11 start. <laughs> I know. But then mm -hmm. we would be there till about 11 sometimes. Yeah. You know, standard. Even though the, the hours are really 11 to 8 or 11 to 7, I, I could, won't probably count on two hands in my two and a half years that I left at 7 p.m. I never saw you at 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, There's your example. <laughs> Saturday, is, Saturday is not counting, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, for real, dude. Sometimes we'd have to go in on a Saturday. And as you know, I would yeah. teach English sometimes on a Saturday. Yeah, I know, I know. To one of my friend's kids as a, you know, a small little gesture for them and a small little fun side thing. Um, yeah, man. And that's why I say this. Like, I said this to you earlier, Julian. Like, the reason why I think it was a big part of my framework is because those hours felt almost like This is your test. If you want to be in Tokyo, if you want to survive, um, it's sink or swim. You go through these hours, you clock in those hours, and now the company I'm at, um, I work more reasonable hours. Obviously, it's like 10 to 7, which is still, you know, a nine-hour day. It's still, it's okay. It's better. Bro. It's better. It's better. And 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 most times, I'm not there till 1 a.m. I can't even imagine one time that I've been past 11, yeah. which is amazing. So I think, I always say this, is like if I went backwards where I went from the Tenty. previous hours for sorry my current hours to the previous hours that would be that would be a huge shift yeah. because you're going from a space that seems more reasonable into something that's a little bit more strong and there's only three people at the company so there's a lot more responsibility and legwork that you have to do um the hours in Japan everyone knows you know you you really have to log in those hours and and tap in and If you work in a traditional Japanese company, that's just kind of one of the things that comes with it, you know? Yeah, I remember actually when I joined, because I came to Japan for work, right. and I don't remember in Japan. Mm -hmm. Of course. Like, yeah, dude, throwback. The, wow. The throwback. And then <laughs> actually, if I remember right in my contract, they say, oh, we already have overtime paid in your salary. And I was like, what? What do you mean by overtime paid? It's like, yeah, if you do overtime, you don't clock in. Yeah. It's already paid. 
That's amazing. But because I was in like the um, artificial intelligence department, so sick. only owned by well, Gaijin, yeah. so foreigners. Yeah. Well, it was nine to six. Yeah. So I never get any really like overtime or something like right. this. Right. But I think it's like you're right in a way that Tokyo actually drained people energy. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. It's yeah. probably one of the best city to live in. Yeah. But if you don't have enough energy, yeah, and you you're doomed. Yeah. No, you're right, man. And I think it's it's my constant conflict. You know what I mean? Like there's like the people know the stories about like how intense the the business and the salaryman, which is what the, you know, salaryman businessmen in Japan, they know that you know people just get off their faces. They'll drink so crazy on a Thursday night, coming on a Friday hungover, smashed. And the reality is, I think the 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 sometimes the circumstances, the humans can only take so much. Yeah. Sometimes the circumstances are so intense and so rigorous that the natural reaction is, I want to just drink and, and forget about it right now. I just want to get away and then come back to the office tomorrow and deal with it, you know? So, mm. like, I think um, you see that. Whether it's in, you know, fashion, whatever industry, there's always going to be some sort of tough, um, rigorous schedules and, and work environments. And I think we never got paid overtime. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? You know exactly, this. Exactly, yeah. I would be there four hours past the technical ending hours and we never got those hours granted i got to work on some amazing projects i would never be able to get in a lot of other places but i mean it it, let me put it this way man like we we at that company we had this publication a free paper ironically enough a free paper that you can just give to people we made like maybe 500 copies a, a month called Bootcamp Magazine. Okay. And I always had an inside joke about how it was kind of like a boot camp, the company. Because yeah, it was yeah. just like, <laughs> I was working crazy hours. <laughs> and it just felt like a boot camp. It felt like hell week in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to, I do want to continue to show appreciation and love. Because without my previous work, I wouldn't be the man I am today. And the connections I made through it that I still have to this day the things on my on my catalog, my portfolio, I can say I worked on, I would not change it for anything. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I mean? So that's how I have to see it as well. I mean, we already get invites to the uh, opening party, etc. Yeah. I remember when Richard came in and then, I don't know if you remember, he bought a jacket. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think it was like pretty expensive at that moment. He yeah. was like, yeah, let's, let's get this shit. No, it's like, yeah. okay. And then that's yeah. a Richard movement. You know, it's yes. like the fighter. Okay, I'm gonna get that now. <laughs> yeah. And then you got it at one of the events you co-organized. Right. I think it was in Ginza. Yep. I don't remember the name exactly, but yeah. it was in Ginza. It was Ginza. the park in Ginza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Downstairs. Exactly. They remodeled it, took it over for a year. Um, anyone in the podcast listening that knows who Hiroshi Fujiwara is, he's an incredibly pivotal. They call him the the you know the, the godfather of streetwear for a reason. Yeah. And that was his space. It was amazing. And you guys came through and showed yeah, love. Yeah, exactly. Two of the probably the only other guy Jin foreigners besides myself. Exactly. And I'm half yeah, 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 yeah. In the space. And I was like, yeah, the homies are in town. Let's go. Like they're here. Well, for Rich, I didn't know it was like, well, free booze. And then free booze. Look at amazing meet. fashion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it, it's the idea to get maybe a hand on something we, we just sure. want to have, you know? For sure. It was really like a nice event. I know where you came for. You came for the Midnight Market. It only happened twice a yeah. year. And it was basically all of the biggest names in streetwear. Exactly. Basically each had a booth. Mind you, there were probably 15 to 20 booths. Yeah. And you can buy from these world-renowned designers that just have their collections at home they just yeah. want to give off. And, and you're buying cheap. it for half price, yeah, exactly. third the price, quarter the price. 
Rishad came up on some amazing exactly. stuff. You it's came just, up on some stuff as well. Yeah. Like such a great experience. But it's just like crazy how and actually that's where you can see how the streetwear culture is in Tokyo. Yeah. I would say it's it's kind of reducing to say just in Tokyo because I feel that Osaka have even a bigger street culture, to mm. be honest. You think? Yeah. Because the people have like they have style, they have fashion. They know how to dress, yeah. But they don't dress just like Saturday, Sunday on Omote Sando streets. I get you. They do that every single day, yeah. And they look dope. And yeah. That no, I mean, it's not a surprise that Supreme is actually having a shop in Osaka, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like they can choose anywhere in the world, but no, they decide to put like out of the thing eight or ten shop, yeah. four in Japan. Yeah, it's even like more than that, I think. Two in Tokyo. Yeah. Osaka. I think there's three in Tokyo, dude. Huh? Shibuya. Shibuya. Daikanyama. Uh, Daikanyama. And then um, there's two in and one in Har- Harajuku. Oh, Harajuku. Then they have one in Osaka. Yeah. And I think there isn't it one in Fukuoka. There might be. I, I, I know there's something crazy. Like, I want to say, like, I don't know the numbers. So whoever's listening, pardon me in advance. I think. It, Let's say there's yeah. 15 global. I think there's like something like seven to eight in Japan. Yeah, because there something is crazy like Paris, that. London, New York, LA, uh, LA. So that's four. Yeah. And I think there is like five in Japan. So that's nine. Yeah. And I probably forget one or two somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. But I think and there might be like one or two in London, I imagine. Because obviously Supreme yeah, is, a, probably, is a half American, half British ba- probably, um, yeah. brand. But yeah, there's so many in Japan, dude. There's a reason for yeah. it. Yeah. And actually, if I'm not doing, and uh, not saying a mistake, you know that the day of like the um, the drop is actually Thursday in New York, right? Yep. But it's actually Thursday everywhere in the world, but Japan. Yeah. Japan is Saturday. Oh yeah. Because I think I, I may be wrong, but no, I yeah. feel that the story is that they don't want to have people lining up during working days, and I will be not surprised. Yeah. If it's that the reason or not, I'm like they almost, no no no. But dude, that's a only, great yeah. point though, man. It, for real, it's a, only my assumption. Yeah, and it's not. I think that it's because of this. Because otherwise, you're gonna have lines right. on Wednesday, Wednesday yeah. evening, especially when they drop stuff for like Note Face and you Supreme, know what like, I mean what around the, the block. Yeah, exactly. And you know this. That's actually a very educated. Um, the line. What's that? <laughs> the line. The line. Lining yeah. up. No, no, no. It's crazy. I'm, I'm saying that's, that your observation is a very educated one because you've lived here long enough to see how it is. Mm. You know that Japan is a city. I'm sorry. Japan is a country and Tokyo is a city that is very strong on organization. Crazy. You already know. This like trains crazy. never yeah, late. Yeah. Trains, if anything, on time. And like, you know that's the organization of Japan. They would actually maybe organize it that way so that you have lines on a Saturday yeah, yeah, yeah. and not a Wednesday or Thursday. Because it would just disrupt it. You know Omoto Sanda, exactly. how busy it is. Yep. It's the most populated city in the world it's right crazy. now. So it's crazy. You don't crazy. want to add to the 35 million that's already here. You don't want to add any chaos. Line up, etc. So you might actually be right about that. Dude. You might be onto something. I, don't, I remember <laughs> actually for the train, first time I came in Japan was for my brother who lived in Okayama. And then yeah, of course. For his wedding. Yeah. And then we took the Shinkansen. So for the audience, it's actually the fastest train in Japan. Yep. And it was like from Tokyo to Kyoto. You know, mm. it's always like tourist stuff. Tokyo, yeah. Kyoto, Osaka. And then we just dropped by Okayama, where I actually ate an amazing fugu. Yeah. And then the train was late for 30 seconds. And wow. we got a notice. Sorry, <laughs> we are late for 30 seconds. We tried to actually reach that 30 seconds. And we arrived in Kyoto with two minutes before the time. I was like, what the hell is going on here? It's like in Belgium, they were like 
35 minutes late. They don't give a crap. <laughs> it's like, what do you expect? Dude, huh? dude, that's New York, man. New York's the same. Like, you'll be on your way to work. They'll be 40 minutes late. And they'll be like, all right, get on the train. And then they'll just be mumbling into the mic some things that you don't even understand what they're saying. They're just, <laughs> it's just like mad, just mad noises. And I'm like, what is going on, man? When I come to Japan, I'm like, this is a different world. Yeah, People yeah. actually operate how humans should be operated. Exactly. And it's like, it's 10.14. They say it's leave at 10.14. It's like 10.30, yeah. then 10.14, closing the door, Boom. leaving. Always on time. It's like, what the hell? The way the world should be. It's like when you go to a meeting, you need to be there 10 minutes before. Yep. So you know it. It's, it's, it's crazy. On time is late. Yeah, exactly. On time is late. And yeah, <laughs> before the time, it's not it's crazy how it's actually Dude, managed. It's great, man. And that, I think that's the way the world should be operating. And I think obviously with some of the like, people can have their criticism about anywhere. But part of the beauty of Japan and the organization is what makes it the beautiful city it is. Yeah. People really follow things on point and people follow rules. Same with even COVID. I know we're going to touch on that later. But with the COVID, it's a big reason why the city has done so well and the country has done so well. Mm. And I wanted to go a bit back when you say you remember when you were in Ginza and you say, okay, because yeah. we were, Richard and I, the two guys in and you actually have. Yep. And At Mo Design, sometimes yeah. I felt that because you speak English, mm -hmm. you're the one that can actually open up to yeah. like the rest of the world. But then how, and it's actually part of the topic of today, how actually people see you as half in Japan mm -hmm. because well, obviously you don't look Japanese, yeah. even though you have Japanese. Yeah. But even now at this day, what is the image? Because you have a Japanese passport. Right. So I can already see the dude at the border like, Huh? <laughs> What the hell? Yeah, are you Japanese? Mind you, my my name on the passport yeah. is too is uh, it's, Orion it's, it's Orion. It's not even Juice. Yeah, Juice Juice is my Facebook yeah, yeah, yeah. name. But um, for the people out there, uh, Facebook Orion <laughs> Mbakwe Johnson. My yeah, yeah, middle yeah, name yeah. is Mbakwe, which so, is Nigerian West African. Exactly. And so I, not a, a sorry, interrupt, not a name in my passport is Japanese. And how <laughs> how actually people see you as, I mean, half black. Yep. half Japanese yeah. or Asian yeah. like in Japan What yeah. what's the image you have that they see you inside their own eye how, how do you feel about that I mean for me one thing that I would say and you know I'm not trying to blow up my dad's spot but it's a, it's one of the best advices I've gotten before coming to Tokyo he knew I was going to make the move out here and he was like listen son just enjoy yourself out there just remember it you know whatever whatever happens like You're not 100% Japanese. You're not 100% black. You are you. You're a mixed race. Appreciate both your 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 backgrounds. And don't try to be 100% Japanese or don't try to be too much. Yeah. It's the people I think there's a respect for people that have confidence in themselves. If I try too much or I'm bending over to be like, oh, guys, like, look at me. Like, I'm also Japanese, too. Like, if I try too hard to, like, kind of touch on that side of my background and try mm. and make that you know, wear kimonos around, wear like, you know, like clogs and all these things like, wear, you know, like just wear crazy, like, you know, over the top things just to make it look like I'm Japanese. Then yeah. I think you start to maybe lose a bit of not respect, but it's just like, it seems like it's a bit too much. Yeah. yeah so I for me so. coming here, obviously, like you said, I don't look Japanese. I don't look straight black. I don't look a lot of things that I have a very, I mean, for anyone who knows Julian knows, like, I, I almost think like I almost fit into like a, a Belgian 
ethnicity. Because when I see like, I, I base it off the Belgian national team, the football team. Yeah. I'm a huge soccer fan. <laughs> I know. So if I look at the soccer team, you got De Bruyne, ginger hair, purely like just very like pale. But then you have like Lukaku, and then you have like uh, Chadli, and all these guys that are mixed race, and like Nangolan, like so many different types of people there. And I would almost fit there because I've when I'm in New York, people look at me in Spanish Harlem. They, they speak to me in Spanish. They think I'm Dominican. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. I go to other places. They think I'm half black, half white. So it's like I think for me growing up, like ethnicity, background, and race has always been something that's been a part of me. And no matter where I go, it's been different. Going back to your question about Japan, I would say um, people always. I think the initial thing is like, oh, why is your Japanese so good? Or how? Oh, your Japanese is so good. Where do you learn all these things? And I tell them, oh, my mom's Japanese actually. And I'm like, oh wow, that's crazy. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. That's awesome. And then some people might come up to me and actually think. I'm already hafu, which is like basically half Japanese. People would already yeah. kind of assume. But I would say that percentage, I would say, is about 20 to 30% of the people approach with, oh, half of this guy. As in like, are you half or are you half Japanese? And I would obviously um, respond with, yeah. But I think being Japanese or mixed race Japanese in Japan, man, is um, it gets you different looks too, you know what I mean? Like there's not so many people. Everyone knows Japan's a very homogenous country still very Japanese dominant. Yeah. I would say something like 96% plus Japanese still, and then maybe 4 or 5% is of the country is foreigners or expats or somebody other than Japanese, something like that. So, like, I could have the numbers wrong, so someone correct me, please, but um, something like that. <laughs> something around, something crazy yeah, like yeah. that. Like, 90% of the country is still very much Japanese. So, I mean, you get things like, you know, model approaches or people want to have you work on something because you can speak English and Japanese. Uh, to give the audience also some context, I learned Japanese. I took two years at university prior to coming here, and then I learned very much about design. As Julian, you know, you probably have seen my Japanese get better. Even in the share house. Even in the share house. Yeah, it was a great mix of th four floors. Two floors were pretty much like expats and, yeah. and foreigners, and then two floors were either um, were just Japanese people. You know, the third floor is exclusively for women, and then all the rest of the share house were like everyone that could speak Japanese, uh, people could speak French, exactly. people could speak everything. You know what I mean? So. Um, I'm sure you've seen and I'm sure your Japanese has gotten so much better since being here, but we've all learned since coming here. And that was a big reason for me coming out to Japan is because I wanted to learn my roots and get back in touch with my roots and actually learn the language and become fluent in it. So it's it's been great, man. Yeah, it's uh, I think to summarize, it's kind of like you, the representation of New York in a way. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you said at the beginning of the podcast, like you grew up in an area where everybody is different. Yeah. And in a way, the fact that people talk to you in Spanish yeah. or in Japanese, they ask yeah. you half in English. Yeah. I'm quite sure some people try to speak with you in French. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When I'm in Paris, for so, sure. See? When I'm in Paris for work, I have. Because I have a look, I think. Ex it's, it's such a weird it's like middle a ground. It's like I can almost like a double agent. I can go any which way. <laughs> and that goes back to the passport conversation. Because yeah, exactly. I have two, actually three in total. Yeah, because... Because of the British side. Exactly. So uh, you know, I can just I can just go rogue if I need to, and just you know, can, just can you hide. tell the the story we know about that passport at the airport? Which one, the Japanese one? Yeah, the one you you know which yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's ah, a few. try to fake the border, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's a few, man. So basically, long story short, I'm not sure if it's the same story, Julian. So correct me if I'm wrong. But I had a situation where obviously anyone who knows being a Japanese citizen or being a Japanese national having the passport. Um, you're not, it's kind of frowned upon to have both, whether it's Japanese and American, Japanese and English, whatever it is, they want you to kind of pick at 18 years old your dominant passport. 
Whereas in America, or I'm sure every other country, most countries, they don't mind if you have one yeah. to two to three, whatever your your background is. If as long as you represent the country, then I think it's fine. Um, I made the mistake to going back to New York from Tokyo on, I think, uh, a spring break or something or a summer vacation. And I left, I believe I left with maybe my American passport. I left the border of Tokyo with my American passport. When I entered America, I came in with my, with my American passport to yeah. cut the lines and beat the immigration. I'm here, American citizen, boom. When I come back out, I believe I left with my American. That's what it is. I left my Japanese passport at yeah, home yeah, just for yeah. like safety. I didn't want to lose it or whatever. It was like exactly. my first year in Tokyo. Yeah. So I was like, all right, whatever. And I come back in with my American. Or so maybe I come back in with my American, but the next time I left, I left with my Japanese. So there was a stamp to show that I was in Tokyo. Yeah. But then when I left, I never checked back out. So like it kind of messed up the system because mind you, I think around 2016, 17, when I came, they were still doing the stamp in your in your passport. Now it's obviously scanned. Yeah. You just scan it on the little bar and then in America? No, in Japan. Oh, I think in Japan because you also have the sticker. The sticker. You know, the, the chip. I mean for tourists you have these 90 day stickers. Yes. And then but if you're like citizen or resident, they yeah. actually you have a paper and then the paper actually uh have two sides. One when you leave. Yes. And then one when you come back. Right. And then when you come back, they actually remove it. The, yes. That part. Remove. That's the issue. Yeah. yeah. So I had a 90 day visa on my American passport. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously it's well expired now. So the next time I left, they're like, why do you have this in here? You've been overstaying for six months. And I'm like, damn, I forgot about that. So eventually I think I went through this situation where I just kind of continued to avoid it. And they approached me about it. And I think they kind of avoided it and I got through. But then they asked me, oh, so you have two passports. Yeah. And then from there, they weren't obviously interrogating me, but like I did feel like the natural pressure of like, oh, so explain the background between having two passports and this and that. And they were kind of just like really kind of giving me a hassle. Mind you, I'm trying to catch a flight. So like they're just like constantly asking me questions about that. So now it's a lot more chill. I think now it's become more like, listen, if you have two, please come with both and just show, make sure you check out with your Japanese so we have you in our system. Yeah. And you come back in with your Japanese so you don't ruin anything. Exactly. At least when I do... This is a little hack for anyone. I'm sure, I'm sure anyone that's also half Japanese, half anything, using two passwords know this already. You leave immigration, you're Japanese. When you get to the country you're going to, whatever that, if it's your home country, you use that passport immigration to beat the lines, check, uh, come out, and then you uh, come back in with your Japanese and everything's yeah. golden. I just made that mistake once, and I think Julian was there for for me to just rant about it and just like talk about like my my issues. So. That's a story that we remember together a few but years ago. It's actually also a hack for residents. Yes. Because yeah. when you're resident, you actually need to, I mean, you can cut the line with your resident card. Yes, true. So Very true. That's why every time like I go back and forth to Belgium or even Seoul, etc. Because yeah. I like to travel a lot. Yep. That is just, you're living with your, I mean, my is my Belgian passport. Yes. So can't really cut the line anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when I come back to Japan, I just see all the tourists going to one line and yeah. I'm like, bro that's so long yeah and i just brought my resident card Boom. i'm like fuck you all yeah yeah bye yeah. bitches yeah yeah, yeah. Cut, then, cut to the front you can cut the line but it doesn't matter you still have to wait your luggage <laughs> yeah, in the end in the end there's always some obstacle <laughs> yeah. man you're still like fuck me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love it just travel talks like yeah. immigration like that's just where you know when you're always, always bouncing around the world like those are the kind of situations you have it could be well, life could be worse though man we yeah yeah, bigger yeah, issues. yeah for sure <laughs> and it, it's actually really like a nice uh a nice way of like seeing the world yeah you know? absolutely man and absolutely 
by talking about seeing the world um so one of the topic i wanted to actually talk about with you it's the black lives matter movement yeah absolutely. so i know you like um i would say big activist but you kind of like speak out way more now than when we actually met four years ago 100 100 and i feel that also it's part because of the black lives matter movement came out like two three years ago like yep. it's pretty recent it's not so i mean I would say it's pretty recent, but the movement was already there. As far as a global, it's yeah, been a, a, exactly. about two, three years. It's been a really big global thing. Obviously, me being in America, it's been going on for close to up, up to a decade almost. Yeah, forever. Yeah, forever, Since forever. Martin Luther King, even before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as far as the foundation, it's been around for ages, for like probably close to like seven decades. Um, but as far as on the global compass of yeah. people like p- catching the newspaper headlines in like Russia or catching the newspaper headlines in 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 belgium like it was i think the last five years when things got really social bad. media social media as well obviously it's, it's how social media and actually that's a good part of social media yes definitely there's some part of shitty 100%. but this one is like yeah really good getting it out to as many people as possible and so i remember in actually in japan and especially more in tokyo because i mean most of these like five percent gaijin foreigner yeah they mostly live in tokyo yep right and then um The Black Lives Matter movement was he's still huge uh, in the US, etc., where everything is actually started. Mm-hmm. And then what happened actually here in Tokyo? Because I remember there was some like uh, going out manifestation movement, etc. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a walk uh, near Harajuku. Yep. And then I actually heard some people even saying that, oh yeah, if you actually go to this Black Lives Matter walk the police can actually arrest you as a foreigner and ask you a resident card. Yeah. It's kind of like I this, heard that you as know, well. street legend. And then, yeah. and then it's actually kind of scared all the people to right. actually going because even my colleague, uh, Hannah and I, we were like talking about like, should we go or not? Yeah. And there is a difference between like, okay, we're supporting the movement. And then, well, if they get rid of our own residency, then you need to balance the pros and cons. Yeah. But then, how how this movement in tokyo is actually happening can you give me like a bit more of an idea of yeah. how big it is you know absolutely so i think what you're referring to is like the um the march the peaceful march that we had they, they labeled it a peaceful march because if you label it a protest it, it kind of comes off as more abrasive yeah and it's a little bit more and i think that's why there was that kickback as well people worried about when you write a protest people are like oh but by the way the other on the other side like The police can actually ask you for a residence card. So if you're not Japanese national, you don't really have the right to exercise your freedom of speech or whatever. Like, you, you know, it's that in that manner. Right. So there is that issue. And that kind of scared a few people off, as you said. But um, despite that, there were still so many people. there. Yeah, 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 the yeah, numbers were sure. amazing. And it was beautiful to see everyone from black, white, Japanese, everyone. So many different types of people really showed out. Shout outs to Tokyo for doing that. And shout outs to Osaka for doing it first. They yeah, did it the yeah. weekend before. And that's one thing you were saying earlier about how Osaka, like Osaka has always been, I think, from what I hear from my mom and people back that have been here for, you know, uh, several decades, Osaka's always been more open. straightforward with how they speak and open. And especially on these kind of topics. And like they were the first ones to touch on it. Then the um, Black Lives Matter Japan organization hosted one in Tokyo. And that was massive. Um, and then when you ask about how things are going in Japan with the BLM movement, I mean, I think 
those those obviously it was right after George Floyd's passing. Yeah. That it got really big. And as you know, like I've never even been considered I would never even label myself an activist. I, even to this day, I'm just someone that has an opinion that wants to get information out there. But you're 100% right. Since George Floyd, I mean, not that it matters much, but like I never even had a public profile on Instagram. You know this. Yeah, yeah I've no, always been like on a you know, know, follow know. like a private account. And until George Floyd happened, there was a fork in the road for me where I was like, listen, I'm here in Japan. I'm seeing riots go on in America. All my friends and family are in America. I'm seeing people from like L.A. to New York to all these different places and seeing this banding together of people trying to put out this message was so like beautiful and frustrating at the same time because nothing was going on in Japan. So from that point on, I decided, you know, I'm going to do my part being a mixed race black and Japanese person in Tokyo, super safe. And mind you, at this time, obviously, COVID was in full swing and still felt like despite my safety and my quality of life and happiness in Japan, I'm still in my apartment twiddling my thumbs hoping that I can speak to someone about this. Yeah. Right? So that's where it started to come with the Instagram and kind of reaching out on there. Like you were saying how the power of social media from there being able to touch a lot of people and people being like, yeah, I agree with you, man. I, I want to be able to talk about this. And from there, I actually started doing more talks on a personal level at the Breakfast Club in Tokyo, Nakameguro. They gave us, they gave us the opportunity to be able to have our first talk about BLM, cultural diversity, both in Japan and outside of Japan. Yeah. And from there, that was my part on top of my full-time job and on top of the, everything I'm doing to make one day in the month for the past four months I've done. We didn't do one this month because a lot's been going on recently, but um, every month do something touching on the topic. You know, our second talk was re regarding cultural appropriation mm. and appreciation and what are the differences. Third one was not so much BLM, but it was also regarding topics in Japan and being vocal about gender inequality. And then the fourth being about, you know, the suicide rate in Japan. So it kind of these all these topics and this talk became a monthly thing through one really great first one regarding the BLM movement. And then from there, evolving into the topics about Japan. But overall, I think a lot of the momentum is kind of I wouldn't say died down. I would just say it's kind of simmered. It's it's basically been um, the really big march since then. There hasn't been another march. Yeah. There's been a lot of friends doing events. Uh, fashion brands stepping in and doing pop-ups regarding, you know, foundations and, uh, you know, how can I say, donations towards the cause. But it's still kind of, I think, energy-wise, it's kind of dropped a bit since, obviously, uh, May, April. Yeah, exactly. Pandemic as well affects it. Um, and those sort of procedures you've got to take for being inside and being around people, social distancing. So, I mean, the people I know are still very vocal, but I think it's, I think even globally, it's kind of obviously died down a bit with time right yeah i we actually had um i mean i was just like the the live streaming director kind of for yeah. uh, you you know bay tokyo yeah so i'm actually the one behind that switch the scene making oh, sure wow. it's going on on twitch etc dope 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 and so they had a conversation about exactly the black lives matter movement with yeah. uh, jada and uh i don't remember everybody that was involved there but mm -hmm. it's like crazy people and then I felt that as a white Caucasian, yeah. that I was like, what the hell? I, it Did I grow up in the same world as people? Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like, it's not like discovering this because uh, slavery, right. uh, like the, the history, I'm really passionate about history. So I read a lot of paper about this. Yeah. So 
I'm not saying I know my shit because that would be kind of getting a cultural appropriation and that's mm. not my place to be. But sure. you need to understand. But you're educated. Exactly. Educate yeah. yourself, understand, etc. And then the Moits actually came to a moment where well, the BLM movement gets so big yeah. as, remember, the Me Too movement right. gets so big and you discover like, is that actually what's happening to all the women in the world? Makes you think. And I'm, yeah, it's make you think. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of happy and thankful to my parents to educate me in a way that, like, they're always being like, okay, open to the world, open to people. And I remember I was a boy, uh, boy scout when I was. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that photo after this. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, I'm going to put that. I'm going to give you that. And then I remember, like, it was kind of, I mean, I'm not from a rich or poor family. It was mm -hmm. like kind of middle class family. Right. And then. Yeah. The boy scout where I was was really like multicultural. We had mm. Moroccan, Algerian, Belgian. And then the first time I saw an Asian dude from Vietnam. Wow. I remember my brother and I, we actually came to him and like start talking with him to actually include him in the oh, conversation. Beautiful. And it's because of the education I received from my parents. Yes. And that's why like it's kind of hard for me as a white Caucasian to have a position because it will look like, oh, he's trying to actually get an appropriation of something he shouldn't get. Mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So that's what I, we actually say off, uh, off mic. Like, yeah. you know, like a white Caucasian talking about Black Lives Matter, it's kind of feels wrong for some people. Sure. Yeah. You know? And, and, and I think exactly like what you're saying, I think a reason for that is because it's such a touchy subject. Yeah. And for, For some people, they might be like, even if you are and you are educated, you're someone that's like, you know, taught yourself and decided to look into the history behind America, behind Europe, behind all these things to understand what it is that has created where we are right now and why we are in a position we are now. Yeah, history exactly. will tell you. Some history books don't tell you everything. Yeah. But if you dig deep enough, you'll see the reason why. So even though, despite being educated um, just because of the color of your skin, And because times are so tense, people might be like, oh, but do I want to be hearing this information coming from a white person? They don't understand our struggle. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and, exactly. That, and that's not that's not the stance we need to take. I get that that's the reaction people might have because people are, are frustrated. Yeah. I'm frustrated. People are angry. I'm angry about things. People are fed up about a lot of things. Do they want to be hearing all the answers from someone that's not from their lineage. Yeah. I get it. I get the initial reaction. But at the end of the day, we need to band together in order to grow together. Exactly. And what I saw about this protest that's, that was so beautiful is the fact that, and I spoke to my dad about this recently, mm. is that in America, on the front lines of these protests, sometimes you see tear gas in Portland, like full-on riots, are white kids, white young millennials. Yeah, yeah. You know, Spanish kids, everyone, not just black people. And those are the ones that it's so beautiful because just like you were saying earlier, there is a natural white privilege in the world just because of how things have gone up, especially in America. But for someone like yourself that is white, Caucasian, but educated, invested and interested in the topic, you're doing your part and you're using your voice. Mm. You know, people say like silence is like just as bad as being on the other side. Yeah, exactly. But you being educated and interested and wanting to talk about it, you should be encouraged to do so. You shouldn't have people or society trying to tell you otherwise. No matter whether where you come from, if you care about the cause and you want to promote, you know, to the humanitarian cause, 
for not just black people, but everyone. There's yeah, everyone. people outside yeah. of black people. Obviously, exactly. obviously, this is a top topic right now because America swept us under the rug for centuries. Yeah. So now it's resurfacing. But this is my argument, too, because I had a conversation at the Breakfast Club about this as well. Uh, my friend, as you know, Jai, of course, our homie, <laughs> um, he was like, you know, he had an interesting conversation with someone that was Asian. I think he was maybe Chinese, Hong Kong Chinese or something. And then he was one of the people saying all lives matter. Like he was one of the people that was like, just like some of the people in the South of America arguing black lives matter, but all lives matter. That's like yeah. the first knee jerk reaction of someone that doesn't really understand the situation. And I think Jai or someone questioned the, the guy as to what, what what do you mean by that? I mean, how are you saying that? He's like, yeah, but like, you know, I was living in the States for a bit and I had this altercation with someone. And I had an experience that wasn't so good with a black person. I don't really like I'm not really on the side of that. So it takes, like you were saying, education, parenting, p- your environment, yeah. because someone might just not like black people because of one experience they had going through an impoverished area. And they might have had an experience that shifted them for the rest of their lives. And from that point on, they're like, you know, I don't really I don't really care about the Black Lives Matter movement. And that can instantly just spark a, a, a sort of avalanche of of negative thoughts. But I think with more people like people of color and people not of color as well chiming in on this topic, you're going to see growth not just for the BLM movement. But if the BLM movement breaks the surface, breaks through the glass window, the glass ceiling, then you're going to see maybe more opportunities for Muslims in France or people or Arabic people or people that aren't just black, that people are Japanese, uh, Koreans in Japan. You're going to see more of... Uh, uh, a banding together once one person breaks through. Obviously, the BLM movement might be the one to spearhead it, but hopefully that will see a ripple effect and we'll see some other, um, you know, uh, all other people being able to get the, the, the due diligence and the respect and the, and the not the normal humanitarian qualities that people deserve. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then I, I always like to actually send you some music, especially... always. Uh, French-speaking rap, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's always like, you're always blessing me with yeah. the French-speaking rap, man. You've always been. It's able always to. like, well, I have to send him this, like, because it's kind of like nice. And then Orelsan, I think I sent yep. you some stuff from yeah, him. Yeah, he's and dope, man. In one of his music, he said that you don't need to be racist because when you're actually outside your country, you're the foreigner. Yeah, people forget. And people forget. People forget that it's like, well, you you just as racist as other people you just ask foreigners other people mm-hmm. it's just matter of location yeah and i think as like people that are like outside of our own kind of country i would say yeah we can sometimes feel that but we try to actually uh bend together and making sure we're all together yeah and i feel that all the people in tokyo that come from everywhere but japan yeah we try to stay together that's yeah. why we have you you have jai have Alison, we have everybody yeah. actually like kind of sticking together. And then For sure, we try just to get people on board. Yes, that that's that's all that's all you want, man. And and I think Tokyo is getting more diverse naturally yeah. with people coming in, like yourself, like me. Um, and the reality is, the world will be mixed, whether it's in a few decades, whether it's in a century. The norm will be mixed, right? Yeah, over exactly. over time, exactly. Like you were saying. So, I think with more people banding together. And showing that unity, yeah, and showing that there is a color blind in the world. We're just humans. The color outside does not affect the color inside. Then we're gonna start to see improvement. I think that's gonna take time. We're in a place now, very pivotal moment in history, where we're seeing like this kind of fork in the road, like I said earlier, and like 
you're going to see a lot of bad things come before good happens. Yeah. But just like a body detox, you need to detox and get things out the system and then restart and then go forward. But hopefully we're going to see that. Aren't you afraid that actually this fact that we have, we're going to have nasty stuff happening. Naturally. It's doesn't matter. Like in, yeah. in history, we saw that all the time. 100%. And not just like, because here we talk about uh, BLM. Yeah. So it's not just slavery. Even no. during the Middle Age, for sure. or the antiquity, I mean, slavery was something happened in Egypt yes. when they actually had to build pyramid. Yeah. So, and then here I'm just thinking like, is it going to be too nasty? Because from what I saw, I think was, isn't it last year with, with the white supremacists that actually kind of start beating people as, and then even see the police mm-hmm. actually try, um, not trying, just killing people for no reason. Yeah. And on the other side, you have the Black Lives Matter movement. So it's two movements that are like totally opposites. Yeah. Aren't you afraid for like your homies back in New York? Especially how we talk about your brother because yeah. I mean, I know him because he came he came yep. to Japan. Yeah. I think I, I actually met all your family. You might have actually. I, I met your your Mom. father during the football championship of creative agency. Yes. Remember? Yes. And then your mom came to Tokyo yep. for like a couple of years. Yeah, 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 a couple of years. And then your brother came, and That's I remember right. we ate ramen around the, the That's block. That's right. Wow. You might be the only person in Tokyo to have met my whole family. Yeah. For real, for real. So Crazy. I'm just, I'm just, and then you, you also have Leo. Yep. I, I don't know where he's this dude right now. <laughs> Where's Leo, man? <laughs> Where's Leo? I got to hit him up. We were chatting yeah. up like a few months ago, but I got to catch up with him. <laughs> I'm just thinking like how. I mean, how do you see that in New York right now for the BLM like movement? Aren't you afraid for like first your homies, then yeah. also like I mean your brother because for sure well, family, family. You know how how it is for you like as first like ten thousand kilometer away. Yeah. How do you see that, and aren't you afraid? What is your feeling about this? No, nah, man, it's a good question. Like I was saying earlier, a big part of my reaction and reasoning for becoming vocal about it is my frustration of being away from my family. Mm. I cared about them. When it first kicked off, there was a lot going on. It was like peaceful protests at one point. But before that, there was, you know, like unmarked cars dragging people off the street and throwing them at the trucks in Portland. And then it started happening in New York and you saw it. And like, who knew if it was like, you know, no one knew if it was military, if it was FBI, what it was. It was just like these random people dragging people off the streets that were protesting, throwing them into cars, young adults and, and different people. And I was scared. Of course, I'm seeing things on on Instagram, seeing things on the news. My younger brother, obviously, looking just like me, mixed race. Like, if you're not fair skinned, you are, you know, possibly in danger of being, you know, uh, maybe mistreated. Of course, yeah. right? And you know, to say it to say it lightly. Um, and so, of course, man, I was always con- connecting with them from the COVID fear to the BLM fear to the whole movement right now with the police brutality and what's going on there. Those were two things that were constantly lingering on my mind from my friends, my brother, my family. Granted, my brother is very responsible and he really stays in when he needs to be. He's like also very educated about COVID and he yeah. knows the procedures he has to take to stay away from it. My mom is living separately also in New York, but closer to the ocean by the, by the beach and Far Rockaway Beach. And so she's also kind of tucked away working remote. So they've both been, the nice thing is that they don't require, they, they don't live in a work, they don't work in an environment where they're required to be outside all the time. Mm. So I knew the contact with people he wasn't so exposed, but at the same point in time, anything can happen. He could yeah, be exactly. walking down the street 
anything can happen. I mean, in uh, in France, actually, about a month ago, there was like this uh, black producer. Mm. He's I don't know if you saw the video. This mm. is this is fucking nasty. Yeah. So it's happened in France, in Paris, and yeah. then there is this black producer. He actually, I mean, he's doing some music, etc. And then it was late night, and then he's going out, and yeah. then he was not wearing a mask. Yeah. But not a big deal, you know. It's not like crazy it's not like he's holding a ak-47 you know right of course and then at some point he went back because he saw the police but he went back in just to actually get his mask and whatever you know yeah and the police actually came inside his studio and beat his ass wow but i, I didn't hear this and the thing is like the police tried to like being like no we did nothing etc it was not no matter what but what they didn't know it's that there was a video surveillance there you go And not just like targeting, it was really like, okay, the video is just there and you can see them and he's like, why are you doing this? And I mean, the police came in without any authorization. It's yeah, a private no property, etc. There was some young people actually doing music, trying to like save his ass, etc. Wow. And actually this, uh, if I remember right, the, the young dude actually called the police, but then the police came in and then thinking that, oh, is that the problem is not the policeman, but the, guy. the black dude. So yeah. It came out to like a crazy part where I'm like, what the hell is going on here in this in this world? Yeah, man. It goes to show you, man, the fact that there's a camera there, there's witnesses there, and they still try to disregard it. Yeah, and actually they, they say that, oh, nothing happened. Right. But they only, they, I mean, and the producer said, oh, but we have everything on tape. Yeah. And then they change. And then, you know, there is like a confrontation right. they can actually have between the the victim and the the assaulter you know right the moment they knew the video was there they actually said oh no we don't want to do a confrontation like the policeman because yeah. they knew they were wrong right right so i don't know where it is right now etc yeah, i don't man. have the full story no no for sure i'm happy you told me that. i didn't i didn't actually hear about that story i will send you the video you're gonna please, see it's like please it's madness please send it to me i was shocked as fuck and i mean that's that that brings me back to you know what i'm thinking about the states is like You have people, you know, recently cops are required to wear uh, chest cams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And despite them knowing that they have video, uh, you know, video surveillance, like constantly being recorded around the clock when they're working, they're still kicking indoors. They're still shooting people in their houses. Like it just goes to show you the level of disregard for a type of human being or human mm. life is that you know you have this on you. It's not like it's like a, a secret bug. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, it's like they know they have the cameras on them. With the red light. With the red, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, you know, some like weird like, ga like you know, gag or prank. It's not like that. They know they have this on them, yet they're committing these crimes. And they're denying it. And even with the surveillance, the American justice system is still letting them free. Yeah. Just goes to show it's a very systemic issue. And until you get like the parasites or the negative and the bad stuff out, You're not going to change anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're not going to change anything. And Trump's not going to be the answer. Just because Trump's not in the office doesn't mean it's not, it's not just going to be all, you know, butterflies and peaches. It's not going to yeah, be like that. Remember when Trump, they did this, um, uh, there was a manifestation. I don't remember where it was with white supremacists. And then I think it was like anti-racists. And then they actually had the confrontation. Yeah. That was the, the time where a car actually uh hit someone yeah and then they went through a protest right yeah, ran the, through, yeah the person died and then trump was like well they didn't get along each other i mean with each other and i'm like 
what, what do you mean? It's like you have to take one side. Yeah. You can't just be like neutral. Uh, both sides are wrong or both sides are right. Yeah. It's like someone died there. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck is going on? You're fucking president of the United States. Yeah. He, I mean, <laughs> you're fucking moron. He's a fucking, I mean, that's, that's, that's like the long, that's one word on a long list of things that describe yeah, that guy. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But like, then the day I heard that, I was like, oh, he's really like, in a, in a sense, like somewhere nobody's there, you know? Oh, it's like he's all alone on an island with like all of these friends and they're like, yeah, getting some party and then, you know, that day I understood that, okay, this will actually kick a movement way bigger than anything else right. that happened in the world. Definitely. And I think this is my thing to my perspective was, look, we talked about the election earlier with Trump when he first get, got into office. I was like, damn, dude, like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah. And it still is how I feel. But at that moment, I was like, listen, how can we go forward? And then once I realized he's four months into his into his time there, I'm like, listen, like the only way we can look at it is the positive is that at least him being in the office and him being as blatantly racist and blatantly biased and and just the ridiculous person that he is. Has actually resurfaced the negative dirt that's been underneath America for so long, swept under the rug after yeah. like decades with Obama. People believed, oh, there's hope. There's a black man in an office. We can everything's okay. We can get through it. But as soon as Trump, the suit, the, the switch turned super quick, and yeah. this guy came in the office, you start to see white supremacists. You start to see these people coming out, and then you start to see what America's true colors were. Yeah, exactly. And even still, I don't think we flushed out all the bad stuff. Of course, it's still coming out. But that was my optimistic look on it. Sometimes you know me. I'm like. I always, even no matter how bad things are, I'll be looking at for like some sort of W in all the the L's. In all the big L's, there'll be some small W in there. And I think that was it for him being in the office. And we're going to continue to see it. And hopefully we continue to hold people accountable for what they're doing. And then we can see change from this. If we keep making the same mistakes, then as humans, we're we're doomed. But aren't you afraid because Biden is like elected now? Aren't you afraid that the next four years is going to be like, okay, we dig, I mean, we try to put everything out with Trump. And I know that Biden is here, the white supremacists are just going to put a blanket on it, stay calm mm. for four years and just wait. And having this moment where you have Obama and then actually all the community came out being like, okay, a black dude at the White House, we can finally come out. Then Trump came back. And then you can see this community kind of like low key. Yeah. And the white supremacy is coming back. Yeah. But then know that Biden is here because Biden was the vice president. Right. So you can imagine that he's going to try, for example, Obamacare. Yeah. Going to try to keep, I mean, to put that by, etc. But then aren't you afraid that it's just going to be a blanket and then in four years. And they're going to go back into hiding. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> afra- I don't know if I'm afraid, but I think you're right. I think inevitably... A percentage of the people will go back into hiding. But I think because we had four years of Trump and we're still seeing what we're seeing now and we haven't had the turning of the tide with Trump and Biden just yet with him in office. But I think those four years has been long enough for people to be like, yes, we're out. We have someone that believes in what we're believing in and they feel like they can stand by him. I think a lot of people are exposed and I think you know America is very in a in a very divided place right now. Yeah. 
So I think I'm hoping, this is my, my hope, I don't know all of the details in each state, but I know I'm hoping that enough of this right now is, a, is a currently, a, it's like almost like a, it's a social war and we're seeing it. Yeah, exactly. The fact that it's already surfaced, hopefully means it's going to stay surfaced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's my thing. That's my belief. But you're probably right. I think with Biden, naturally, and like hopefully some of the laws that he decides to, you know, pass and, and, and these things that he hopes to change will maybe naturally put people back into hiding. But we'll see, man. Time will tell. But I'm hoping that the people that are out, they're comfortable. They're like, we're yeah, out in the light exactly. and we're okay being this, this is how we are. Let's continue how we're doing. And then maybe that'll keep you know, we just need them out there so we can convert people and so start to weed out the bad stuff and change things, you know? My my hope is actually the next president will actually kind of... Because he was vice president. Right. So he knows yeah. how the White House is working. Yeah. So he don't need to get like the 101 manual, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. White House for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> Exactly. You know? So, and the fact that the vice president is a woman, right. that's massive. A and black woman. A, Exactly. That's where I wanted, I wanted to go. It's the fact that this is a totally different vision we're going to have about the White House. Yeah. And I really love because I saw her like talking in the Senate, I guess, and trying mm. to like integrate people. Yeah. And she don't give a crap about who you are, how rich you are. Yeah. If you fucked up, she's going to actually like blame you and make sure like everybody knows. Yeah. And I feel that the combination of the both of them is going to be quite powerful mm -hmm. and especially how you can see how they manage like this pandemic time yeah so for the audience we're actually recording this in december yeah. 2020 and the coronavirus or covid19 like happened for like this kind of celebrated year mm -hmm. like a month ago yeah. it's kind of like crazy i mean 2020 what a year crazy European Championship of Football cancel. The Olympics, Olympics cancel. It's, it should be happen 2021 in Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, even the US election. Right. Like uh, affected it set hugely. Bail, etc. Putting like letter, etc. That I never saw that before. Mail-in ballots taking up to three to four days. Suspense. Exactly. Having a who was it? Um, jo was it Georgia? No. What state actually say okay? It's a uh, yeah georgia. yeah georgia yeah georgia yeah and they actually had to recount and i was like how oh, you can be at 97 percent for like four days yeah what happened yeah and then i read i was like, okay they have to recount etc and i feel that 2020 was kind of weird even though it's it came out like so fast Dude, weird isn't doesn't even begin to describe it man i mean it's just from i think someone write the the worst script ever you know, it's kind of like, and yeah. it's, it's all start. And I'm quite sure, like, you had this uh, fire forest in Australia, right. the number of koala dying, and it's actually now like a protected species because there is like way less koala. And then we had Kobe Bryant. I was the like, loss of Kobe Bryant, yeah, and it's man. like it, we're not even in February, dude. I was like, what the hell is going Still on? Then January. coronavirus Boom. coming in. They have all of this shit happening. Like, okay, then even in Tokyo, remember when the COVID situation get higher, like the prime minister, Shinzo Abe, was like, well, we don't know what we're going to do with the Olympics. And the moment he actually kind of reports, I mean, push back the Olympics, then you can see the Tokyo governor being like, okay, we shut down everything. We're going to try to actually like lower down, etc. She was just waiting. Yeah. 
And then I was like, holding out. They were exactly. holding out. Yeah. And then, so the Black Lives Matter movement was there. And then something surfaced after that with the pandemic because, well, it came out from China. Yeah. From Wuhan. Yeah. And then some people actually tried to warn people, etc. before. And then you can see in China, it was growing and growing and growing. And then it came out in South Korea where mm-hmm. the, the number were big, but people were like, well, South Korea is fucked. It's yeah. like, no, because they test a lot of people because they had the experience with the stress right. a few years before. Yep. So they knew how to manage that. Yep. And it's actually, if you check Africa, it's actually quite the same because they know how to manage pandemic mm-hmm. way better than yeah. other people. Yeah. And then it actually happened in Japan too. Mm-hmm. So they, everybody shut down, etc. And then in Europe, you have this movement of like some people beating the ass of Asian people right. just because they are Asian. America too. And America too. And as the same as the BLM movement and Afraid for Your Brother, who is like half black, half Japanese, are it, I mean how scared were you for your mom because she's japanese living in new york and then i mean i saw her she looked definitely asian yeah 100 how how did you feel about this because at some point it's like it i think when it's your mom it's even like especially at ten thousand kilometers away you can't even like defend her right right and like you were saying yeah exactly exactly what you said i mean even before when i was dealing with like the worry for like protests and police brutality in new york with my brother and my mom i was also worried about the covid fears right and that was before george floyd happened and and all the things that went down brianna taylor uh Ahmaud Arbery, and all the other all the other people we've lost and i mean yeah I, I remember seeing videos go viral like right when covid really kicked of people just like when it kicked off when people were just like beating random asian people i think i saw a video in philadelphia i saw a video in different places in new york of people just hitting, you know, just on the street, assaulting people. And then when I saw this, I was just worried about my mom for sure. Because obviously, Far Rockaway Beach is a nicer neighborhood now. But, you know, in the past, it, it, it's it's known to have its dodgy areas. Yeah. So you never know what can happen. You know, with COVID people, your life is uncertain. Your health is uncertain. Your work, your job, your livelihood, all these things are question marks. There's stress that comes from that. There's people that are frustrated that want to just let out emotion and let out feelings towards someone. My mom could easily be on the wrong side of that. Exactly. Just walking, going for, you know, grab groceries or something. So, yeah, dude, 100%. You're, you're 100% on the, on, the, on the mark. And, like, I was worried for her. And I still continue to Skype both my brother and my mom if I can twice a month. Just to catch up with them, of course, because I can't go back to New York. But, like, yeah, yeah. also just to like, check in on them, how they're doing. How are things going? Because when I hear that, oh, yeah, actually... I'm just hanging out here. I'm just doing this and I'm not doing anything crazy. Um, just relaxing, working remote, going to the beach, boogie boarding, even in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, mom. Yeah, it's cold. She's got the four, three, five millimeter sweat, wetsuit. Like yeah, she's good yeah. to go. Goes in for an hour. Staying active, staying safe. When I hear these times, when I check in with them, it gives me a peace of mind for a couple more weeks. I'm yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. I know they're doing okay. But dude, I mean, I appreciate you asking and 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 it's a good point you know just sending my blessings to everyone that's overseas and that also has family spread out overseas yeah to check in with your people check in with your friends your family and make sure everyone's okay okay during these times because it's uh it's very trying times and it's it's testing us as humans to see if we can get through this yeah it's uh it's kind of so weird because we saw that from like i mean 
living in Japan, we saw it from China. So for us, it was kind of, it's still close. Yeah. Because Wuhan, Tokyo is maybe four-hour flight, something right. like this. Yeah. And I remember like all of my friends in Europe, because at that moment, uh, all of my best friends were about to go from um, Belgium to come in Japan. Mm. Like actually 2020, everybody that I know almost wanted to come to Japan. Right. It's crazy. Of course. Olympics probably affected that. Yeah. And then, and also because like living here, etc., I kind of like be the tour guide, you know? Yeah. They, they, you got him. You that's got him our good. job. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I only have 20 days off, bro. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> and what happened is that, um, so people were like, well, it's never going to be happening like in Europe or whatsoever. So no worries. It's not going to be there yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I remember from that is that at some point, COVID came out in Europe. Yeah. And in Europe, nobody's really prepared for that kind of shit. Right. Nobody's wearing masks when they are sick. Mm -hmm. Like in Asia, there is this more kind of group thing where you actually think about the other people around you. Yeah. As in Europe or even in the state, it's mostly like me and I don't care about the rest. Yeah. And then you can see now that the number are getting like higher. Crazy. Crazy, man. Right. Still. It's still, it's still, yeah. And then, as you say, like I call my parents like, yeah, same. Once a week, I just want to check if they're good because, you know, like we only have one family. It's when we lost them that we actually exactly kind of getting crazy about it. Exactly. Always. And that's what this year taught me with the loss of Kobe straight out, straight out the gates and like the loss of for the hip hop fans, the loss of Pop Smoke in February just shot, you know, in his yeah. own Airbnb. Crazy. That was a month later than Kobe crazy right after that george floyd covid people probably lost so many different family members we know people through our work in china that that, that unfortunately lost their family members yeah. due to the due to the the virus so i think this year taught us about mortality and that's another reason why i've been so vocal about what's going on right now as well mm. both with the blm movement and just overall things because even yeah. not only i mean I think, that, I think me being active about the just the um, supporting my people and people of color has actually spawned into talking about gender equality in Japan, and all these other things. Like I think this year for me really shaped life is short. Check in with your fr family and friends as much as you can. Cause like you said, once they're gone, you can't give them their roses. It's over. It's over. Do you, so yeah. Do you think this year actually kind of make you grow as not as a human, but kind of like as a not better ethnicity but you kind of like raise everything you have in your own like kind of body and mind yeah because before you were i mean i know you you're pretty more shy yeah like you're Generally, not really with yeah. friends we can have these conversations exactly. but i'm not the guy to be on a podium talking exactly that's not me and then but i feel that this year actually show you like okay i have a voice even if my voice is just one spot in the sand I just want to be part of it. And yeah. then I, I see that like now you actually embrace yes. all of your ethnicity. Yeah. And it, there is no this crisis in your head. No, no. And the thing is, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go a step further, is from a young age, my parents both raised me to always be proud of my ethnicity. So I always have been proud. I've always, always have been confident in who I am. Mm. But this year has made me more vocal about being okay with having question marks. Because when I was a young you're around people. I might be in an all-white school, not all-white school, but, you know, like a generally white, you know, private school. Yeah. And I might, you know, people will say like, oh, but you don't talk black. 
You know what I mean? So you have these like kind you don't of, talk black, right? What things is like that? that. You know what I mean? Like thing, hearing things like that at a private school, and when you're with people that you know, you speak. Oh, you speak quite eloquent. You speak quite like articulate. Like I, I didn't think you were black or things like. Yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. this before. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, so you have these like identity crises. Like, damn, like am I black? Am I this? Am I that? What am I? Like people kind of shape things for you. So I think this year. I've always been proud of my roots, but I think this year has made me more vocal about it. And also, you know, I don't have a massive following on Instagram. I have a small little bit of following. I have friends, people that I've connected with through my time on this earth. But I just want to also start a conversation, right? By saying things and being vocal, maybe other people that are mixed race here that I know have a way bigger following than me, like the Naomi Osaka. She's not an example of someone that got it from me, of course, but... There's people in Japan that are very powerful people that are seeing my stories, but they're still quiet. And it's not to say I'm not pointing anyone out. Everyone has their own way of doing things. Yeah. I'm sure they're doing things on the side that I don't know about. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to post everything. Not everything you do on Instagram is your life. People forget that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like that's another thing to kind of wrap it up basically is I wanted to kind of lead example. But it was not for me to be a leader. I just kind of also just felt frustrated. So I want to talk about it anyway. I just want to get out there. But from there, I get responses to people like, oh, I'm so happy you're doing what you're doing. Keep doing it. You know, I can't go because of COVID because I have kids, but I want to go to the march too. And just educating people, putting notes out there, putting little like news out there for people to see to continue to hopefully keep the conversation alive so that other people might feel like, oh, yeah, like OJ's doing it, Orion's doing it. Like I might want to speak about it too. Or I might want to do, you know, donate today. That's just all I can really do, man. Yeah. I'm not really trying to change the world. I know I'm not. But I just want to get my emotions and feelings out there and have conversations like like I'm with you, with friends, mm. and continue the conversation going. As long as that fire is still burning, no matter how small it is, it can always grow back up and become something beautiful and hopefully change things over time. Yeah, exactly. And I, I really wish that actually stuff changed, you know? Oh, for sure. No one wants this, man. Civil yeah. war. No one wants global pandemics. No one wants any of this, but... These are the situations that 2020 gave us, and we're just trying to find our place in it. Yeah, let's hope 2021 is going to be better. I mean, dude, it makes you think, like, can it be any worse? But I don't want to say that. I'm going to touch wood right now. Yeah, yeah. let's. <laughs> just just, just <laughs> to not know. jinx yeah. it. Because there's no, always yeah. these memes coming out. It's like, when you thought 2020 couldn't get crazy, it's like Vin Diesel with hair. Or like, <laughs> or like massive, like, dinosaurs walking yeah. around, like. There's these memes and jokes, and I love memes because they're literally probably the best thing that has ever been spawned on one of the best things. On yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. A snapshot of something that uh, gives you some joy in a moment of chaos. But I really do hope that 2021 gives us hopefully some change with a vaccine coming out and things changing and us as humans understanding more about the virus and being able to adapt to it. Hopefully we can move on and, and slowly start to get grips and become more normal. I know it's not going to be perfect next year. But it has to be an upgrade from last yeah, year. Yeah, it's going to be better, man. It's got to be better, man. I mean, we got a vaccine. I mean, Pfizer actually did the vaccine. Yep. They're actually starting to running in uh, Canada next year. Yep. For like the um, a nurse, doctor, etc. Plus the elderly people. I saw uh, that. Yeah. I think in France, they're going to do that too. Mm -hmm. Even though in France, like half of the population is like, should I get the vaccine or not? Because it was so quick to make it. Yeah. It's kind of... You can... There's question marks. It's, yeah, there is a question mark over there. And then my way I'm actually asking myself the question is more like how we came out with a vaccine for this in one year, but it's already fucking 40 years for HIV, etc. And then we still didn't get any vaccine. But 
I'm not virologue or anything. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just thinking like, okay, it's possible. I hope it's going to be like better. And I, I mean, right now, this pandemic is putting so many people in struggle. Oh, man. And it's so hard. And I feel blessed. And I think you are too, because we can work in the industry where we actually, we don't need to be in the office. Right. We can work remote, etc. And then we are like massively blessed. Yes. And the people we work with are like amazing. Yep. But I feel the new generation, they're actually going to be the upgrade. And I feel that we are still in this next generation. Yeah. Because we are at the beginning of our life, you know. 100%. 100%. We still have a, a long road ahead of us. Um, and dude, I mean, blessed doesn't begin to describe it, man. For real, like I have friends, family that had to get laid off. Doing an amazing job up, up until now, but they might have only been at the company for one, two years. Yeah. But the people in the senior positions were able to keep their jobs and the, the people that came in recently, unfortunately, couldn't no matter how well you were doing. Yeah. It's just the unfortunate situation. So, dude, man, blessed to be working still blessed to have an income blessed to be able to even do events like obviously it's getting dangerous and people you know are f afraid about the virus but if you have an outdoor barbecue that's something that's so much better than my friends can do in america you know what i mean so i constantly try to appreciate where we're at that we can have this conversation that we can meet up and go for a coffee somewhere and not worry about indoor dining like yeah, yeah exactly. in new york they just recently shut that back down so you know we just got to continue to stay humble and appreciative of what we have. Like I was saying earlier about appreciating life, also appreciating what we have around us during this time and appreciating the small things. Yeah. Because this virus has put a magnifying glass on all the bad things in the world, but it's also put a magnifying glass on all the things that are essential, important, and beautiful in the world that we have around us that we need to continue to appreciate. Yeah. And staying in Tokyo, like how long do you think you're going to be here? It's a good question, man. Someone asked me this just yesterday as well. And it's like, I think for me, I mean, well, let, let, let's monitor and see how things go with the virus and yeah. see how things go on. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be going on for 10 years. Touch wood doesn't happen. Who knows? But I mean, right now, I don't see myself leaving within the next three. Okay. And, so. and, and within that time, I would even give myself a five-year plan and have Tokyo be the HQ. Okay. Right. But with 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 work, I would like to eventually become someone that can travel for work and be able to go back to New York maybe three months in the year. Yeah. But as, a, as a, and I'm sure you you would be an advocate for this. But as a city, Tokyo is such a beautiful city to live in that like it, life is easy, man. Stress free. Yeah, exactly. Right now, I have two other passports. Both countries are in shambles, yeah. <laughs> England and America. Do I want to be living in these countries? Obviously, I can live in other countries. It's not like I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm restricted to those two, but. Like, I love, I have my best friends, my family, people I grew up with in America, yeah. all over the world, in England as well, family in England, and in Japan. But I think right now, Japan, career-wise, you know what I'm working in, what things I'm doing. Like, there's so much more stimulation here for me right now that hopefully at some point when I can go freelance and have my network yeah. and be able to work here and then maybe pop over to visit Julian next month or somewhere, someone elsewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, some, yeah. Somewhere in another country. Like, I want to be able to have that option. Yep. Without having to worry about, oh, I got to take these vacation days. I got to tell this boss, like, I can't be here this week. Like, I want to be able to move on my own fruition, work with friends, travel the globe, continue to see more and stay inspired and then work in things that I love to do. And I think that network is slowly growing in um, in Japan with more people that I can, you know, continue to 
network with, connect yeah. with, and then hopefully work with in the future once I take my own uh, journey Pass. forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I can see you in New York soon. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, like I said earlier, that's home, bro. That's yeah. really that's home, I and I'll always be home. I can actually go see your brother. Be like, bro, yo, he's there. I know, just I know. a train away, a train or a drive away, a bus maybe. Bus, yeah, you know, yeah. You it's gonna be a yeah. quite a long journey, but yeah, I feel yeah, I feel the same actually. I mean, you already know my plan, so yeah, bro. I'm, uh, Things in the works, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'm things in the works. I'm but proud of you, bro. Yeah, I mean, the way you start your journey from where you're right now, I'm like, I'm proud of two things with you. <laughs> first, to be one of my bro and homies. Yeah, bro. Because that's, that's, I mean, you were the first dude I saw in Japan. Crazy. Crazy, bro. It's crazy. Nuts. Also, the other thing I'm proud is like, I actually opened your mind to French singing rap music. Oh, man. And you discover no. some beats, Ham Hamza, Damso. Um, dude, <laughs> I sent you one time. I remember we were exchanging songs. I'm like, bro, these are the artists I'm feeling right now. And I have a whole playlist to this day yeah. of international music. So it's from like Belgium to France, Paris, all these French artists to then it evolved into listening to Korean rap and other things. And so you really did open my eyes and made me want to explore more. You mm. got me, because you know me, like, with music, I'm a proper music junkie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I get into a pocket, I will really get it. I won't just scratch the surface. I'll really dig in. So I really got to thank you for also getting me into that. Continue to send me stuff, and and stuff that I drop in DJ sets sometimes. Yeah. Like, smooth, like, French rap. Like, come on, man. For me, I think French, Portuguese are some of my favorite types of rap styles because of the fluidity and the flow is just so nice. Yeah. And the beat production's always on point. Um, yeah, bro, I got to thank you for those. But now I got to come up with two things as well. I mean, for you to be one of the, like, one of the first guys I met, because I actually, I met you before Jai, of course. Yeah, yeah, Jai right, came Jai, out Jai came like later. A, year, a year after? Exactly. This, and yeah. I, I met Jack first. Yeah, Jack was, So yeah. you, Jack, and Jai, my three J's, <laughs> my three bros, like to this day, man, you guys are homies for life. Mm. And no matter where you guys go, we'll always be able to catch up in another city. Yeah, of course. And That's you guys were the ones that made me like, I'll be at Alpha Star. I'll be coming back from a 12 hour day, as you know, at work and still have homies to come back to and be like, yo, like, you want to play FIFA? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, like amazing, bro. So like, gotta thank you for that. And, and so many more things, but that on, on, on the top, as well as, you know, having experience to talk about music, talk about things that we like in film and all the different interests, like to have a place at home to feel you can speak English at home, too. I can come back, take a break from speaking Japanese for yeah. 15 hours straight, come back and be able to speak, obviously, in your second language or your first and second language. You speak French, Japanese and English, you speak yeah, everything, uh, but you're like a mix. multicultural guy. Yeah. I only have two, but like but for the fact that we can all speak and communicate together seamlessly. And, in, and just kind of unwind from work, take some time off, watch a video together. Like, those are great times, man. And it really set the 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 home and, like, the comfort in Tokyo when, when we all first came here. So, yeah, yeah man, grateful for for you and all the other guys, man. It's also sure. showed me that what my parents teach me hmm. is actually the reality. Yeah, what's that? Like, be open to people. Yeah. Like, discover what they have in mind. And then... At the end of the day, everybody's human. Yes, dude. That's it. That's, That's the only it. thing that matters. That's it, man. That's it. 
And um, and then one other thing is also us going to that Lefto show. Remember for Halloween, me, you, and Rishad. Oh, when was for Halloween? I huh? think it was, it was either Halloween or it was like a, a month before. It was right around that time, around right yeah. October. We went to see him at Circus. Oh, bro, that I was remember. a great because yeah, yeah, you yeah, put yeah. me on the Lefto because I knew I saw his name around a lot. He was kind of bubbling up, but I knew he's one of like the hometown heroes. Yeah. Um, from your homeland, and what an amazing beat maker! Now such a great experience. We've had so many great music experiences together. Having Rishad out here, um, about music, times, when, amazing times, man. When is the Ryan Juice producing music coming out? It's like Dude, four years. Bro. Yeah, I know. We Remember, talked about this. Yeah. We did. We did. We did. You have, and you, you gotta sign my label. I know. <laughs> Yo, my goodness. Remember, you're right. we were talking about we were talking our about label, our and label. I was like, we can help Possibly, you. Yeah. Of course, you never signed, but no, no, no. <laughs> but doing some representation at that yeah. point, and it wasn't that I didn't want to sign. You're my homie. I would have loved to. It's not like I have other people knocking on my door asking. You know, you were the only one asking me at that point. But I just didn't think I was ready because I was just DJing at that point to be on that. But you were even willing to reach out and be like, "Yo, just as a DJ act, like, just come through, yeah, exactly, and just, and just and just like do events around Tokyo and do it." I'm like, "Yo, dude, that would be sick." And I, at that point, I was like finding a lot about myself. I was still like kind of in DJing, not in DJing. Yeah, yeah, Now yeah, I'm like yeah. fully in it. Um, and producing needs to happen, bro. You're one of my other f- close homies that just keeps checking in on me. It's like, how's it going? How's it going? Exactly. So I keep talking about it, but I'm also doing a lot of other things and I keep adding more things to my schedule. I got to prioritize. I think 2021, everyone has a New Year's resolution. I don't want to be that guy. But this year, especially with COVID and not really wanting to gig as much these days, yeah. take it, wind it back with the DJing, lock in more on the production. And that's there, dude. The inspiration's there. I have equipment at my, at my crib now, at my house. I want to do more. I'm always listening to music, as you know, always getting inspiration. Yeah, of course. It's going to be coming, hopefully soon. And when it does, I'll be sure you're one of the first ears to listen and be like, all right, this is trash or this is good. Yeah, well, my <laughs> expectation, yeah, yeah, they're fucking high because yeah. and it, I think it's like when you see a true friend, yeah. if you send something, they're like, yeah, it's nice. Or they can be the one telling you, this is shit. You need it, man. You don't want yes men around you. Even when you yeah. send me something, like, how do you like this design? Like, you want to just try this out? Are there any bugs? I'm like, yo, this is sick. I would maybe change this. I would maybe change that. Yeah. You got to be honest with your friends. And you guys have always been honest with me. And I would only want that from my closest friends. Yeah, exactly. If you're always telling me, oh, this is amazing, this is amazing. And just like, kind of like look away and like not really feel that way. I would never want that, man. You guys, I always want people to keep me on the highest pedestal. And I'll keep you guys at the highest standard. If you tell me something, yeah, exactly. I'm like, yo, listen, like, I think it's cool, Julian. Personally, I would maybe tweak this, but I don't know if you want to take that feedback or not, but that's that's how I feel. Yeah. And then we can have conversations like that. That's what you want, man. So hopefully, I'll, you know, I'll get your review soon, but I'll make some edits. I think I'm going to start with edits, party edits that I can just kind of share with my network of DJs in Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. It'll be fun because edits are much easier to make than making a song from scratch. And then that, I, that way I can make like club edits. And if people have interest for it, I can just send it to friends and they can play it out. And then also maybe work on some like original stuff as well. Um... The more I get into DJing, I'm going through the back door now. Where some people produce first and start DJing, I'm the one that's getting so passionate and like continuing to DJ so much more that my inspiration for production and my ear for production and passion is growing more. Yeah, yeah. Whereas before, when you clocked in with me two and a half years ago, three years ago, the passion might not have been as strong. The fire might not have been as strong. I was like, maybe DJing is what I want to do right now. But the more I do it now, same way I feel about football. I played football all the way up into college. And as soon as I left college, I was like, I took a little bit of a break and then I had this passion run over me where I'm watching games every weekend. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, if I had this when I was 12, 
I might be playing for some big club. I don't know. But like, I, I was always talented, but it's like the passion sometimes comes later and you got to follow that fire when it comes yeah, and I'm, just take it on. I'm quite sure you can play for Tottenham, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this guy, man. Yo, end this conversation now. <laughs> you know for me. those that don't know, I'm an Arsenal fan. We just lost 2-1 to Everton. Times are tough in the head of Orion these days. Julian just came through and, and just gave a little jab, yeah. a nice little jab, because he knows I'm an Arsenal fan. And there's a lot, there were a lot of Belgians on Tottenham for a bit too, remember? Yeah, but at that moment, yeah. we were actually like watching all together because nah, man. Vertonghen, I mean, I was more like on Tottenham side. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For and then sure. Vertonghen was there, Dembele was there. And yep. I was like, and then every Other time there world, was all those guys. your team against my team, was like, huh? huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, exactly the same happened when uh, at the World Cup. Yep. Remember England, Belgium? Dude, Belgium, Japan. Two match. Belgium, Japan. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. People need to know that story. This was the craziest moment I had in, in Japan. So, England, Belgium, easy. We beat you twice. <laughs> All right. All right, be easy. All right. <laughs> But Japan, I was scared as fuck was for so many reasons. That was heartbreaking. I was... Actually, watching the match at the Belgian embassy. Yes, you told me this. You told I forgot about with it. all of my colleagues and oh. some people from the share house, and of course, all Japanese. Mm -hmm. And then we we get a ass kicked. Almost. It was like two two o oh or two one at the halftime. Yep. I was like something like that. What the hell is going on? And then, of course, all of my Japanese friends start teasing me, and I was like. Bro, tomorrow I have to go to the office in a Japanese company <laughs> where my manager is half French, half Japanese. Wow. Probably one of the worst combinations. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And then the rest of the company is like half of them are like Japanese. Yeah. And then I was like, what the fuck? And also Belgium was seen as the one that can go and get the I trophy. Mean, the superstars on that team. Exactly. Still, still, still now. Still. You know? Always. And then... I was like, what Producing. the hell? And of course, halftime, it's the Belgian embassy in Japan, in Tokyo. And then people try to get a bit the mood, but you can see the Belgian dude are like, okay, something bad is about to happen. Yeah. But then you drink a beer, eat fries, etc. Yeah. Second halftime. I think there was like one of my uh, colleague, uh, Shinpei, and then he was, okay, we go back to 2-2. Yep. And then there was a counterattack. Dude, no. I'll, I never I'll, let, 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 let me chime in for this bit because mind you guys, this is the World Cup. I'm watching it. We're all tuned in. This is like 3 a.m., right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was really yeah, early it was in the morning. Really in the morning. It was yeah, yeah, really yeah. early exactly. in the morning on a weekday, on like a Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm watching from my bed, tuned in. I'm like, yes, let's go. 2-1, 2-2. All right, guys, 90th minute, 92nd minute, KSK Honda on the corner. At this point, anyone who knows football, I played, even if you're a five-year-old, you know this. Everything can happen. Tap it in. Anything can happen. But you're on a corner. Tap it in. Waste the time. Stand in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Hold it out. They kick the ball in the corner. The corner's a bit short. I think someone, I don't think company was playing at that time, but one of the center backs headed it out. Maybe Vertonghen. Someone headed it yeah. out. Boom. Who do you want on your counterattack? Of course you want Kevin De Bruyne. That's my favorite player in the world right now. And Shadley. And Shadley's Ch not my favorite player. But anyway. No, but... Chadley was part of you the equation. Them in the Chadley contest, was part of the like equation. Flying down the wing is Chadley. De Bruyne sprinting down. Lukaku in the front. 
boom, you have the craziest counterattack right there. And, dude, Kevin De Bruyne is a magician, man. To this day, he's still my favorite player. He's, he's going yeah. to go down as one of the best players to ever play in the Premier League, ever. Yeah. And mind you, 90th minute, 92nd minute, boom. Counterattack, score, 3-2. Japan goes home crying. So tight. So, and I saw, like, in the room, all the Japanese going, like, down. Quiet. And me, I took my colleague Shimpe and I shook him crazy, like, you yeah, know, like yeah, the moment yeah, 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 where, yeah. where you feel the adrenaline going in and you actually forget the fact that... All the people around you are Japanese. Yeah. But like, it's like, was half, I mean, half Belgian and half Japanese right. because, well, people yeah. getting together, etc. And then you forget that you win, but then if you win, somebody else have to lose. And you just happen to be winning as a minority because you're a Belgian in Japan. Exactly. So the passion that goes through you... Anyone who follows football knows you could be at a funeral. Which is, it sounds messed up, but if you're watching a live game and your team just won the World Cup, you're jumping for joy. You're seeing what's on that screen. You don't think about the environment around you for a few seconds. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, shit, I got I to gotta reel it back and, and not be bugging out right now. But for you, I'm sure that must have been so, like, not bittersweet because it definitely was sweet. But for the people around you, it must have been like just a, we- a crazy energy yeah, at three in the morning exactly. on a weekday in the embassy. Especially with like both sides because like, what a story. you have Japanese and then Belgian. It was kind of crazy. That's why actually the day after when I was at the office, you don't brag. No, you don't. You don't. You just a, like a true a true yeah. sportsman would be that way. Some people exactly. are just assholes and still brag. Exactly. You know. But you can't, man. You won as as a guy. Mind you, Japan worked. They fought. As warriors, they kept it down to the 90th minute. They lost at the last second. Yeah, but they play like... I never saw Japan like this. Dude, they... And mind you, the whole World Cup, they weren't playing that well. So I was kind of worried going in. I was like, we're probably going to get stomped out 4-1. <laughs> yeah, what I thought was a prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, remember, we lost to Colombia. Or we, won, we, we beat Colombia, but we lost a few games. We tied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like conceding a lot of goals. Defense wasn't so good, but they played amazing that game. Man. Exactly. And they I was really, really surprised. So surprised. Nobody so, proud can, of them. Yeah. so proud of them. Nobody can be like, against, well, that was the plan. Against Man City's center attacking forward, Tottenham's two center backs, like Chelsea's players, Arsenal's players, Belgians right. everywhere. Probably the best team oh my at that moment. Oh my goodness, man. On, on paper. So Japan, it's like know, on tip paper, my hat yeah. off to them. It, it's, it's just tip like... my hat off to them. They fought. Crazy. And I'm, even if Japan was, I mean, won the match... I would be like, well, it's because first Belgium fucked up, but yep. mostly because Japan played well. Played well. Yeah, and that's what you want to see. Yeah. Obviously, if your team doesn't play so well, but the other team plays well, you just got to tip your hat off to them. If your team plays shit, yeah, yeah. that's on you guys, and that sucks. But man, what a time. And obviously, you guys got to the next stage, and unfortunately, it worked out in the end. But what a great summer, man. Yeah. To watch it from here. And that's another, those are other memories, man. We, us watching games, Euros together. Yeah, super late. And I remember we watched the, um, I think it was for the third place. Yeah. At the share house. Yep. With Jack, Jai, you, and I. Yeah. And so it's like three British, and I was the only Belgian dude. <laughs> True. <laughs> and I I know Jai, Jai, and Jack during the entire day were teasing me. Yeah. And of course, course I I trash talk. Yeah. That's how it is. As, as they say in England, it's banter, baby. Exactly. It's just like. But then at the end of the day, well, we got the, the third at place. At the end of the day. England, man, dude, what a... I can, I can go on. This could be a whole separate chat. We'll talk about sports. <laughs> I follow some of the most heartbreaking teams, man. I'm an Arsenal fan. I'm a New York Knicks fan. I follow the Japanese national team, the England national team. Yeah. A lot of disappointment there. Yeah, but... I Great think, history, but a lot of disappointment. Yeah. 
I hurts, feel man. that the, um, the, England, the English team right now is actually kind of... No, they're rebuilding. Rebuilding yeah. as Belgium was like 10 years or ago. Or even as France was. Remember how bad France was for like two, three years? Yeah. Between, between when like Thierry Henry's legacy up mm. until when like Pogba started coming through. They were yeah, really yeah. bad for two, three years. They didn't even make the Euros one year. Yeah, but it's not like... They were not that fucked up. Dude, they, like, them, and, like them Belgium, and Holland were not good, dude. I'm no, but you. Belgium uh, Belgium ha- was in the situation where we fucking lost against Australia. Right. You know, it's but like I kind think of... You guys don't... Ha- not, not, sorry to cut you off, Jim, but I think you guys... Belgium isn't notoriously... Obviously, they've had good soccer for years. Yeah, yeah. But they never had the legacy that France oh, yeah, or, exactly. or, or Holland exactly. does. So they never had that pressure. Yeah, yeah. Which is the beauty behind it because it's almost like this natural, organic, like, blossoming flower which is the Belgium national team now and it still continues to be that. Yeah. It blew it blew up out of the you know out of the cement, out of the concrete. Yeah. Came out and just produced not just the first 11, 20 to 25 players that don't even make the national team that are world class players. We have so many like that don't even I mean remember um sh- the striker. Which one? Lukaku? No, 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 no. Benteke. Uh, Benteke like Yeah. He's Top class player, yeah, and he was not even sure to actually go to the worker because he's injured. Right, but like, the depth crazy. on that team is incredible, man. But we then, could, yeah, it's actually show. And going back to the conversation that when you see the World Cup champion team, when you see Belgium, when you see England, when you see France, yeah, it's not just a bunch of white dudes. No, it's a bunch of mixed people that can get all together, and especially in Belgium, where actually. On the north of the country, they speak Flemish. Yeah. The south of the country, they speak French. Mm-hmm. In Brussels, it's bilingual. You also have a German side. Yeah. But they can so. all like work together. Dude. To actually go to a place and being like, okay, now we are fucking one country. Yeah. Rep- Let, we're all representing this flag. Exactly. That's what we're here for. Banding yeah. together, united. And that's why you can see um, during the Euro in 2014, I, I guess. Yeah. Like when we actually lost against... I think Portugal, maybe. I don't remember. Maybe, yeah. I think you did. I remember you yeah. were heated about that game too. I hated, and then also you can see De Bruyne being pissed. Yeah. Not to himself, but himself and the entire Belgian team because they fucked up. Yeah. And you can feel that the love of the country was like even bigger than anything else. Yeah. And then you can see this team like going down, but then having the country behind them and being like, "It's okay, we go- we got you." Yeah. We're going to go like further next time. Yeah. And it's also because the multiculturality of this country was, and he's still so big. Right. And I think that's how actually best football team can actually represent the right. mixity of every kind of like, I mean, of a country, you know? Yeah. And I feel that's actually going back to our first conversation about like, stay open. Yeah. Try to include everyone in, in the scope and in your own like circle of friend. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're actually becoming a better person. hundred percent, man. If you want success, like we said before, it does has nothing to do with your background, your color. You're all in it to win the same thing. Yeah. You're all in it to do it together. Like, and that's the beauty behind it too, because there's even historically like teammates that don't get along. Teammates that might be blatantly racist towards Asian people. Yeah. And they don't like this person. You've seen it with Luis Suarez and things like that in the past. Yet he has black teammates. He has different people around him. You have John Terry, all these people that have history with like saying certain things and doing bad things, but still winning championships and hugging Drogba. Yeah. Hugging all these people because they're just joyed together to win something. 
So football, music, there's so many different vessels that we can use design, as ways design, art. art, of ways to uniting people, fashion, whatever. And that's what we need to continue to push that that agenda, man. Just continue to stay united. And hopefully if you have a uh, a, a similar goal, you can see past all the other uneducated sort of upbringing you might have been given, right? Yeah. I feel that's right, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, to kind of close the loop. Yeah. What can I wish you? Wish me? Yeah. What 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 do you what do you mean? Give me some more context. Like what what can you you have a a genius dude? You can do whatever you want. What can I wish you for you, or for the world? You can you you can have one wish. A one wish. Or three if you want, but it's mostly three. a question to see like, okay, is uh, it would it be for me or would it be for just in general like for decide. like the world? You, oh, that's such a tough question, man. If you want, you can have one wish for you and then one for the world. So it's make it easier. But I don't feel that it's make it easier. Well, no, I'll just I'll just make my one wish for the world. As 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 cheesy as it might sound is because this year, like we said before, has taught me that it's bigger than us. Even if it was for me, hmm. I would never make the wish for me. Somehow I would make it some, be something that I can share with all my friends and family. I would naturally do that. But for this man, I mean, a wish for the world in the place that we're in. I mean, it could be something as vague or, or as like kind of quint, like, you know, cliche as like, you know, world peace. I'm not going to say something like that. You know what I mean? But I, I do what I do want, because I think there is a beauty behind struggle. Mm. So the place we're seeing with both COVID and uh, diversity in the world, you need to have this struggle. If I just wished I, there was no racism in the world you wouldn't have the appreciation for other things. Yeah. So it's part of the natural ecosystem. So it wouldn't be fair for me to even wish of that. What I do wish for, because it's not guaranteed, is that the human race learns from their mistakes and grows faster than they are intended to grow. Because what I believe is that we will eventually get through all this. And naturally as humans, if we don't, natural selection happens and we get eradicated from the, from the earth. So with that also comes a global warming, comes a diversity. I want all these things to happen and I want them to happen the, the way they should naturally. Mm. But if I can speed that up, that would be my wish. So that we can see that in our, hopefully maybe in our generation, yeah. before we pass, we can see our kids and our different people around us. Obviously we would naturally because we didn't naturally just surround ourselves with that right energy. But we can go anywhere and almost see a colorblind world or see a world with peace and, and happiness through humans fighting together to get through it i don't want to just erase the issues because that they would defeat the purpose of civilization we have to get through the struggle but i want to see maybe if i can speed it up put on fast forward but times eight or something <laughs> <laughs> that would be my wish exactly. maybe, you know <laughs> yeah nice i mean thanks Orion, for joining me that oh, was really dude, like of course man so a pleasure. Cool. What, what a great way to, to start my sunday man exactly come in off a little bit of sleep from the night before <laughs> see this man that's handsome belgian man like before me having conversations having like just great catch-ups on yeah. on mic on mic and it's actually taught me like a lot of stuff you know yeah and amazing questions and i do also want to you know thank you for having me on here obviously i know you have many different topics you have on here and I was introduced as a multifaceted, like design, creative, whatever. We didn't even really talk much about it, obviously, yeah, exactly. which is the beauty about it. You know, like we have a natural connection, friendship, 
it's kind of just like this podcast episode is kind of just like us chopping it up yeah. catching up and who anyone who wants to tune in please listen i mean julian's got so many great things under up his sleeve and in the works stay tuned he's got so many amazing episodes coming up and so many amazing things coming up in the future thanks it looked like you do the the outro <laughs> <laughs> I, was, i was trying to tag yeah. you i was trying to give you the you know the, the, the power <laughs> who, who is the host you know it's like, no, no no but that's no, cool no. that's cool i mean it's it's good and as i say i'm like i'm really proud to be your friend you know homies yeah, and dude. bros it's like saying bros from another mother you know yeah it's kind of it's, it's really like feeling that way for sure man. and there is only like a few people you can say that absolutely and absolutely i mean i just sent you a message and i remember i was like okay you want to be in and you told me like right away for sure yeah we had and mind you mind you everyone like i haven't seen julian in a long time like a almost almost a year yeah christmas party last christmas year party last year i would say we've both been doing so much throughout this year but we've always somehow been keep, keeping in touch whether yeah. it's through instagram or facebook and just chiming in sending links but we got to change that from now for yeah. sure we're gonna change it going forward but this is th this whole conversation is a culmination of almost a year of not seeing each other exactly that says a lot that says a lot man that's beautiful <laughs> make me cry exactly <laughs> let's let's leave on that and then yeah let's leave on that note man thank you again so much for having me thanks for having care. thanks for like being here because it was really amazing and for the audience well i'll talk to you soon yeah peace dope